that we're going to, the way that he addresses everything here in Romans 13 is, um, it's about living up under your secular rulers. It's about living up under, you know, up under people that, up under governments and authorities and all that kind of stuff. I, I did not write verse 6 through 10 up here just because I couldn't fit everything. Uh, verse 6 through 10 is going to be about love fulfilling the law, so we'll get to that. Um, so, I wrote the rest of them up here, and 1 through 7 basically is going to tell us that we should be subject to, we should be subject to the ordinance of, of God. It says, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. Who are the higher powers? Yeah, well, it's anybody in authority. That includes who? Who would that include? Your boss? Well. Your husband? Well. Policeman? Huh? Yeah, all those all those are all those are true. Here in this context though, he's definitely talking about people that have secular authority. Governors, mayors, policemen, presidents, you know. Yeah. So he's talking about he's talking about all those people who wield authority that are, you know, uh, secular authorities. Those, you know, when you get pulled over by a policeman or whatever, you have to, you pretty much have to, I mean, you got to do what he says. Yeah, well, you can bat your eyes and maybe get out a ticket, but it didn't work for me the last time I tried. So it says, let every soul be subject to those higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained by God. What? I'll put it up there. Y'all are messing me up. The powers that be are ordained by God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. Make sure you're looking in your Bibles too, because I may have mis miswrote something or something. Uh, whoever resisted the power, what power is he talking about resisting right there? The power of the governors, or the mayors, or the whoever's in authority. You resist the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. That word damnation would, it's the same word that means it's judgment, is what it means. So it doesn't necessarily in that context mean, oh, I'm going to hell if I don't listen to the policeman or the governor. It just means that you will receive judgment, you know, when you defy authority. Now, how can that be true? How can it be true? For there is no power but of God. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Talking about governors and leaders and rulers. For there is no power but of God. So does that mean, that means that God has ordained that, for instance, Barack Obama is the president? Huh? What does it mean? I think it means Hmm? Means what the word means. Huh? Means what it means. What are you talking about? It means what it means. Which is what? That God's going to tell you. I'm going to knock you out, is what I'm going to do. Huh? That God's in control of every situation. That God is in control, right. And He would not be there if God had not allowed it to be there. 
Now that's not very good. That doesn't make us feel good, some of us anyway. Whether you like him, whether you don't like him, or whether you like who won the mayor's race or whatever, you know, here in town. Or it's not, it's not what we want to hear sometimes. But if God is in control, then He is in control. If you if you look in, there's all kind of scriptures. I'm thinking especially in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, he says, it's God who raises up kings and kingdoms. And it's God who throws them down. You know, so it's, it's like, and even, or think about it, Pontius Pilate, when he was, when Jesus was being tried for his life right there, Pontius Pilate went to Jesus and he said, don't you realize that I got the power to let you go? And what did Jesus say to him? He said, you would have no power over me unless it's given to you by my Father. You know, so um, why would God allow, here's the million dollar question, why would God allow an evil ruler, and there have been evil rulers all throughout time, why would God allow an evil ruler to ascend to the throne of a nation? Huh? Yeah, for punishment. For judgment. It's entirely possible. I mean, I ain't God, so I can't tell you this is why, but he, he, he allowed evil rulers to conquer Israel over and over and over again in the Bible. He allowed evil rulers to ascend the throne. He allowed good rulers to ascend to the throne. The thing is, God, if we had the knowledge that God has, we would do exactly the same that God is doing because he know, he's got the whole big picture. And... What really, really, if you know anything about history, what really, really shocks me is you can say, yeah, but you know what? This guy's really bad. You know, the president that we have or the mayor that we have or whatever, and I didn't vote for him, and I, I wouldn't again. I, neither time. It's all good. I probably agree with you on most of the stuff you, you're thinking right now. But when Paul wrote these words, when he wrote these words, he wrote them from Corinth, and he wrote them to the church at Rome. The emperor of the Roman Empire was it was Nero. And this dude was not just evil. I mean he was he was crazy. He's crazy. He I mean you get stories after story if you ever if you ever read anything about Nero it I mean the guy's a nutball. He uh, he killed his mother. He killed his pregnant wife by kicking her in the stomach. He, of course, persecuted Christians, blamed them for a fire that happened in Rome, and and started putting them on stakes and lighting them on fire to for lamps down the streets of Rome. He would he would he would take all these animal skins and dress up in animal skins and and. Rip prisoners apart, you know, have them change the wall and like pretend he was an animal. I mean, just nuts. I mean, big time nuts. You know what I mean? Like, so when Paul wrote this, huh? Well, what I'm saying is, when Paul, he, I mean, he was crazy. He like, when he killed his wife, he castrated a little boy and then married him. You know what I mean? I'm talking about crazy. Nero was crazy. He was a nut. And he was so evil. He was so evil. But he's the emperor right now. And Paul is writing, look, I'm not advocating revolution. He's telling the Christians of Rome, I'm not here for you to, you know, we didn't come for you. The the powers that are in authority are there because God has put them there. And you are subject to their laws. Now, are there any exceptions? If it goes against God. If, right. 
That is the only exception. If if the state or the government or the mayor or the president or the whoever, if they give you a law or pass down a law or tell you a rule or order or whatever that directly contradicts when I follow this law, I am sinning against God, then it is your duty to disobey. Okay? You can see that in Acts chapter 4 and 5 where um, the, uh, the Sanhedrin, the, the council of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they told, uh, was it Peter and John? They told Peter and John, do not preach anymore in his name. And that's an order from the high council. And what they do, they said, whether it be right or not, we don't know, but we can't help but say what we've seen to hurt. And they said, you know, if it's wrong in the sight of God, you judge, but, but we're going to keep on doing it. You know, they, they disobeyed and they followed. Uh, what would be a good law? What if they passed, like, something crazy if... You know, like the, the government says, okay, overpopulation is getting out of hand. You need to kill your first, you know, your youngest kid. You know, that would be automatic. You know, it just ain't going to happen. It happen. And you just, you just face the consequences. Now, here, there'll come a day when we probably will be faced, maybe not in our lifetime, but it very well could be the way things are going. There could be a time when we're faced with a law that says, you know, you can't witness or you can't preach or you can't testify or whatever. And in that case, we'll be in the directly same position that Peter and, Peter and John were in when the Sanhedrin says you can't preach anymore. You know, and so you'll have to decide. I mean, the decision's clear, but you'll have to make that decision. That I'm just going to keep on doing it. If I go to jail, I go to jail. I mean, that's what happens. That's what happens. Yeah, that's because of all the Muslims, a lot of Muslims in Dearborn. Well, it's a bunch of Muslims up there. Yeah, I've seen guys get, getting arrested there and Really? I did not know that. I did not know that. But what Paul is basically saying here is it's expanding Jesus' teaching. You're going to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and you're going to give unto God what is God. So here, here's a question. I think the government is anti-God, and I'd probably be right at that. I'm just this is just example, but I think I think the government is anti-God, it's anti-Christian, they're all against what I believe is right, therefore I'm not paying taxes anymore. Have I have I have I violated the command that Paul's given me in this chapter? Yes. Yes. I have. Now, does that mean I can't lobby Congress? I can't cast my vote? I can't work to get laws changed? I can't work? No, no, no. That's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And the the case that uh, is probably clearest in everybody's mind is the Hobby Lobby deal. You know, and I know a lot of y'all know about that. The Hobby Lobby case was... uh, It was... They they were trying to make Hobby Lobby provide funds for this different kinds of contraception and only a few of those kinds of contraception have been known to be abortive, like to have to abort pregnancies. And so Hobby Lobby said, we're not going to do that. 
And so what happened, they didn't just say, you know, we're not going to do that. We defy you. We're not going to obey this law. What, what happened? They went, through, they went through the legal system and they went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, you know, by God's grace, ruled for them so they don't have to do it. But if it would have ruled against them, the CEO had already said you know, if that happens, every Hobby Lobby in the nation is going to close. I'm going to sell the company, and it's going to shut down. The whole deal is going to be gone. And that was his way of saying, I'm going to follow the law, but when the law gets to where I can't work under it, then I'm just not going to work under it. I just not, I'm not going to stage a protest. I'm not going to call for a, you know, I'm not going to call to overthrow the government or anything like that. It says, it says, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive themselves damnation or judgment. For rulers are not, this is why, it says, For rulers are not of terror to good works, but to evil. Without them not be afraid of the power. He says, Do you want to not be afraid of the rulers? Do that which is good, and that shall have praise of the saints. Does everybody understand what he's saying there? That, that if you are acting... what Basically, the whole chapter boils down to this. Christian people should be the best citizens of the government that they live in. You understand? They should be the best citizens. They should be the ones following the laws. They should be the ones uh, doing what's supposed to be done. They should be morally obligated and morally right in everything that they do. Therefore, they should follow the laws. Now, what do we follow the immoral laws? Do we say, you know, if like right now there's a big, huge fight about, about I don't know if you know this or not. But Tennessee is one of the most liberal states in the nation when it comes to abortion regulations uh, for clinics and stuff. Did y'all know that? Probably didn't know that. Did that like Tennessee is more liberal than like New York and Massachusetts and whatever. In Tennessee, you don't have to be licensed to have an abortion clinic. You don't have to have health checks. You don't have to have health department screen anything. You just walk into a building one day, turn the lights on and say, hey, it's an abortion clinic. There you go. You don't have to have anything. And they're trying to change that. They're trying to, in November, there's a vote to, you know, and that's why you'll see the, I think it's yes on one or something like that. Is that what it is? Anybody know what I'm talking about? None of y'all know what I'm talking about? Is that what it is? Yes on one or something? It's like, it's like an amendment to the Tennessee Constitution or something like that about getting those regulations put on those things. Uh, so we're not, I'm not saying that you have, to, you have to follow the laws no matter what they are and you can't change them and whatever they say you got to do and you got to... That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you are to be a moral and model citizen in the country that you live and when government oversteps its bounds, then we, then we act, but we don't act with... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? With immorality, you know, with violence or with, you know, anything like that. Does that make sense? You see what he's saying? You see what he's saying? He says, if you resist the power, he says, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. And this is the reason why. For there is no power but of God. God's the one in control. The powers that be are ordained of God. 
Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive in themselves damnation. And this is why we've already read three. Because four, the one who is in power is a minister of God to thee, to you, for good. That's the office. Okay? So when you think of, like, I know you got this ungodly leader or whatever, he is not a minister for God for me. He's like Stalin or Hitler or whatever. But his office is to be a minister of God for you, a citizen, right? And he may be jacking it all up, but that's his office. But if you, if you do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth the sword. He doesn't bear the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God. Now, first, he's a minister of God to thee for good, but he's also a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So what does that mean? God uses the laws and the governments and the rulers and the officials and the authorities for what? Y'all with me? They are a minister for good to those who do good. And they're a minister for wrath to those who do evil. They're here to keep the peace. They're here to to establish justice. Is it a perfect justice? No. Does it work all the time? No. Are are men sinful in their hearts? Yes. And are they going to be corrupted by power and... Yes, but the off it's better than anarchy. It's better than everybody just running buck wild doing what they want to do, you know. Might makes right. It keeps order, right. And so what Paul is telling the Romans here, he's saying, Look, I know that we live under a crazy society. Right now, under under Nero was really the first big persecution that broke out against the Christians. And, you know, I'm sure some of the Christians were calling for, you know, armed revolt or whatever, which would be really stupid because at that time, I mean, that Roman Roman army was the biggest and best and baddest in the world. You know, so Paul is saying, look, God is in control and the leaders that you are under, they're ministers of God. They're servants of God to bring good to those who do good and to bring wrath and vengeance upon those who do evil. Now, they they don't always do it right. They don't always do it right. But that's what they're there for. And then verse 5, 6, and 7 basically is saying you have to give what is due. I didn't write 6 and 7, but let's read it. Verse 6 says, "For, For this cause pay ye tribute also. What's tribute? Taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their duties, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. What is he saying there? He's saying exactly the same thing Jesus said. You render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. At the time Jesus said that, it was uh, Tiberius who was the Caesar. Probably, I think. I may be wrong about that. It might have been, it might have been Caligula. But anyway, uh, he said... They come to trick him. You remember? They come to trick him with the coins. Says, should, we, should we pay taxes? You know, and the whole thing was a setup to get Jesus to, to say the wrong thing. And Jesus said, you know what? You give to Caesar what's Caesar's and you give to God what's God's. And basically what he did right there was he said, you, you be a citizen of the government that you live under, but your real authority is God. And he, he, you know, he has all things. Any questions? 
That was tough. You're all like, man, what am I doing? <laughs> okay. But owe no man anything. That We got that out of the way. That He's talking about living under civil authorities. What I really want to get to is the end of the chapter, so I'm kind of rushing, kind of rushing as fast as I can through, through them. Let me read these couple of verses to you. You write them down. You can look at them later. Um... Basically, Jesus did address the fact, how do I obey an ungodly ruler? If an ungodly ruler is passing laws, how do I obey it? In Matthew 23, uh, verse 2 and 3, you can just write it down and read it later. Um, Jesus told them, the people, he said, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, which was a seat of passing judgment. And he said, All therefore whatsoever they bid you, you observe. He said, That observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. He's saying, What they tell you, just just do it. But you can't follow them in their ungodliness. You can't follow them in their wickedness. You can't follow them in their evil ways. Okay? Verse 8 in Romans 13. Oh, no man anything but love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, covet. Uh, If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor in thyself. Love worketh no ill to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Y'all have heard that before. How does love fulfill the law? Whoo, I'm getting tired of talking. How does love fulfill the law? Nobody. Yeah. You don't have to. I don't have to worry about. I don't have to worry about. Well, okay. Do I keep this law or that law? I just worry about is is this loving? You know, when you love your neighbor, you are keeping the laws. You are not committing adultery. You are not killing. You are not stealing. You know, if I love if I love somebody, I don't steal from them. I don't talk about them. I don't lie. I don't covet. I don't. You know, I don't do those things. So basically, this first paragraph, verses one through seven, he's saying you are to you to follow your earthly leaders. You are to follow the governments that God has allowed to be in place. You are to follow the. You know, you are to pay your taxes and give tribute to who is due. Give custom and give honor to who is due. You know what you do those things and. And and you're probably thinking after reading that, man. So I gotta do this and this and this, and I gotta I gotta keep up with all this. And and it, did God tell me to do this? Well, how do I disobey the ruler here and then obey God there? And how do I, you know? All kind of questions start popping up. Is this okay with God for me to obey and do? And then Paul says, look, 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 look. You're thinking about too much. All you have to worry about is to love your neighbor as yourself. And then that will fulfill the law. That will fulfill the laws of the land, the laws of the rulers and the kings and all those things, and it will fulfill the law of God. And whenever what you're going to do under the law of man comes into conflict with thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, that's how you know, do I follow this law or do I not follow this law? Am I supposed to do this or am I not supposed to do it? It's all about love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's simple, okay? Everything falls up under that test. Do I love my neighbor as myself? Am I, if I'm doing this, am I loving my neighbor as myself? Am I, am I loving God, you know, with all my heart, mind, strength? Does that make it, make it a little easier so you don't have to worry about, I don't have to worry about 
categorizing all the different laws that the, you know, to, as to whether these are okay and these are not okay, and God says these are okay, and are these disobeying God or whatever? It's all about it's all about love your neighbors yourself. It's as simple as that. He's clearing it up for them, basically. As I was talking those first seven verses, y'all were all start probably thinking, well, what does that mean about this? Or what does that mean about that? What does that, you know, like, what come to my mind was like, what about the lottery? You know, that's chapter 14. We'll get that next week. Okay. So here's what I want to get to is verse 11 through 14. These are the ones that for me are most important. And I wanted to make sure we had time to, uh, to talk about these. And it says, and knowing that he said, after all these things I've said, I've told you that you obey your government, you obey the, those that are in authority. And the, the principle for obeying is always the same. Love God, love your neighbor. It's always the same. It says, knowing that this is how, we live this way because we are expecting something. We are expecting the return of Christ. We're expecting all this to be wiped away and one day everything is going to be made right. I know that you live under Nero right now. I know that he's killing Christians. I know that he is a nutball and he's running everything into the ground. He says, but there's coming a day when God's kingdom will come and everything will be made right. He says, and that knowing the time that now it's high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. What do you think he means by that? Our salvation is nearer. Didn't you get salvation when you believe? What do you think he's talking about right there? Huh? Yeah, he's talking about your deliverance, your final uh, salvation. You ever heard Brother Eddie say, you know, I was saved and I'm being saved. One day I'm going to be saved. You know, that's, he's talking about the one day I'm going to be saved. There's going to come a day when God's going to wipe away all your tears. He's going to wipe away all the injustice when, you know, you've got you've got leaders and authorities and people that are over you that are persecuting you and, and doing all those things. He, there's going to be a time when God's going to fix all that. Your salvation, your deliverance from this world and the things that are in this world is nearer now than when you first believed. So all we have to do is we have to wake up and we have to start looking for His coming. We have to start living in the light of understanding that Jesus is going to return and He's going to make all these things right. It says, it says the night is far spent. It says, it's what he's saying is the darkness, the dark times, it's almost over. It says, and the day is at hand. The time when everything will be revealed is at hand. It says, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You see the whole night, day, light, dark thing going on right there? He's saying, look, this darkness of this world is almost done. It's almost over. And, and the day is coming, the time when Christ will be revealed and all the tears will be wiped away and all sin will be done away with. He said that day is coming. We have to live in expectation of that day coming. And how do we do that? It says, 13, we walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness. Not in chambering and wantonness. Anybody know? Did anybody have to look it up? Chambering and wantonness? No. Just see Huh? What did he say? He said sin. I heard. Yeah, it's sin. Huh? Huh? It's called the Socratic method. He said, I ask questions to get you to think about the answers. Hiding what you're, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to do. 
That's true. That's true. It's walking in the dark. But if I if I said if I wantonness is just like lasciviousness, it's like lustful desire, you know, whatever. But if I said uh, if I said I'm gonna I'm go chamber Dana, what am I saying? Got me? Everybody understand? Okay. Not strife and envy. Not not strife or envying. And then verse 14, huh? Did I turn red? That was for something else. Put on ye, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's the that's the verse I want to key on. That's the one I want to get to. Um, we live with the expectation of eternity. Okay, so no matter what happens, if if you know, I've been I've been having to study history here lately. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about like during the week like teaching high school history or something like that just you know because I like kids and it would be a good mission thing and whatever yeah. what we were just talking about that sure. okay? what I said I, I can see you you should do that I'm out of that well, I'm doing it now for sure, Brenda said I should do it. So anyway, anyway, but the more that I learn, what the, my point is, the more that I learn about history, you know, it was bad. I mean, we think it's bad now, and it is bad, but it was bad back then too. It's always been bad. I mean, it's been bad forever. It's been bad. Just evil people, lascivious rulers, just um, off. I can tell you some stories about man, just. Remind me after that, I'll tell you about how it, how it was, how it used to be, and just from where, you know, and, and it's still bad. It's not no, I'm not saying it's better now, I'm just saying it's still bad. But we need to understand that there is coming a day, no matter what we go through, no matter what happens in our life, forget about just the badness and the evil. What about tragedy and the things that happen in your life? And, you know, what if you get sick and you only got one life? You know, what if it's gets messed up somehow or what you know whatever there is coming a day when everything is going to be made right therefore we should live in expectation of that day not in fulfilling our own desires now does that make sense so what i'm saying is like the one that says you know i'm gonna do this because you only live once and here i am you know and i gotta might as well enjoy it might as well that person is living for this world living right now living for this time living for these things but the one who says you know what i don't i don't i don't need those things i don't need to fulfill those desires i don't need to fulfill those worldly things because i'm looking forward to the time when those things are wiped away and they're gone i'm looking for a country that's not here yet i'm looking for a city that's not here yet i'm looking for a time in life that uh, that those things are gone what it's saying is you put on instead of putting on the things that i want to do and i want to be and the things that you know it's saying don't walk in the works of darkness you walk honestly not in rioting and drunkenness and all those things you don't put those things on and wear those things and those things are who you are you put on the lord jesus christ and that's who I live for. And then this, this next, the, the last line is very important. It says, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. What does it mean to make provision for something? To make a way? 
If I'm if I'm providing for my kids, what am I doing? I'm supporting them. I'm feeding them. I'm caring for them. I'm I'm doing everything I can to make sure they have an opportunity to flourish. So when it says make no provision for the flesh, it's saying stop feeding the very thing that you're trying to kill. If you're a believer and Christ lives in your heart and the Holy Spirit has changed you, I meet so many people that say, I'm thinking of this one guy, he he said, I have this problem and I need to get rid of it, right? And it... And I was like, okay, well, let's look at let's look at your life and let's see what all's going. No, 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 we don't need to look at all that. I just got this one deal I want to get rid of. I'm like, well, well it, it really doesn't work that way because what happens is you feed you feed the flesh over here, and it's okay and it's all fun and games and it's all fine, and then you want to kill the works of the flesh over here, but it's so strong because you fed it. You see what I mean? Example. Let me show you what I mean. Let's say I deal with. Uh, what would be a good one? Anything. Like, let's say, okay, lust. Let's do lust. You know, I've got this lust problem, and I'm trying to get rid of it, and I want to, I want to, I'm battling all the time. How do I get rid of it, Jason? I just, uh, I, I pray, and I pray, and I can't get rid of it, and it's just all the, you know, it's just all the time, and I just can't, you know, I just can't, can't deal with it, right? And I'm like, well, what are you watching on TV? You know, it's like, oh, I watch the beer commercials and I watch the deal. Oh, there you go. Guess what? You're trying to kill it on this side, but you're feeding it on that side. See what I mean? What if yours is pride? You know, like pride. Like, like I just, I, I struggle with, you know, wanting my way. You know, I think everybody owes me something. And I know it's wrong. And when people wrong me, I just blow up all over them, you know. When you, when you feed the very thing that you're trying to kill... You are making provision for the flesh, and it happens in every area of your life. Okay, that's probably not a good way to explain it. Let me show you this way. If you immerse yourself in worldly things, whether it be television, music, culture, you know, pick whatever, then you strengthen the flesh inside of you. And when it comes out, you're like, oh. But the reality is, you're the one that's fed it until it got strong. See what I mean? So I tell the kids, like, I used the example one time about that Twilight movie. You know, like, I don't know how many of y'all watched that. If you did, it's okay, I'll pray for you. <laughs> Not because it's bad, it's just dumb. But anyway, uh, the whole, the whole thing about the Twilight deal when it came out, I mean, it's, it's old now. It's all old news. But when it came out, it was like it was bad. And the reason it's bad is not because, oh, they're vampires. You know, it's like, I, I really don't, I'm not worried about teenagers turning into vampires, really. <laughs> you know, I really, that, that, really don't, that really don't bother me. You know, what bothered me was that all these little teenage girls would watch the movie and they would think, this is what my boyfriend's supposed to be like. And if my boyfriend ain't like this, then, oh, something must be wrong with him. And basically, it was like, 
it was like porno for girls, you know. And like this is this is the model boyfriend, and if he's not an effeminate vampire, then he is not a good boyfriend. You know what I mean? So, you know, and so whatever they, uh, you know, they, they you must have watched that. Dude. But anyway, uh, that was my problem with it. And so you would find you would find you would find girls wanting to live for this idea of of what love is and the perfect love and the perfect life with my perfect love rather than living for Jesus. You see what I mean? Like, I can't be happy unless I find this perfect love with my pasty vampire boyfriend. You know what I mean? I can't have, I can't have, it don't have nothing to do with vampires. It's just, it could be anything. I just use that as a, you know, all those, all the, the ladies television shows, and you know, men got their own things too. You know, there is a more or, you know, you know, but yeah. <laughs> but when you feed that, when you feed that, when you allow that stuff to come into your eyes, go into your ears, when you feed that, you can't be shocked that the flesh inside of you has grown strong and it comes out. And you say, "What's happened to me? Why am I doing this?" Why, why did I mess up like that? Why am I... You know why? It's because you fed the very thing that you're trying is supposed to be killing. You're supposed to starve that flesh. And that means I don't let it come into my eye. Is, is it a sin? Is it a sin for me to go and watch Twilight 3 or whatever or whatever it is? I mean, not necessarily. I can't find no verse. I mean, I didn't watch it, but I don't know if it was bad, if it had, you know, all kind of bad stuff in it. It might not. Let's just say it didn't. Is it a sin for me to go? No, not necessarily. I don't know. I don't really think so. But is it helpful? I mean, does it feed your flesh or does it feed the spirit that lives inside of you? Because those two things are at war with each other. Remember we talked about the war in Romans chapter 7? Those two things are at war. They're fighting every day. The spirit and the flesh. And every day you are supplying one or the other. One of the greatest things. The reason why, you know, uh, the reason why the best and baddest armies in the world got beat was because they couldn't keep their supply lines flowing as far as they needed to. They couldn't keep feeding the big old army they had. They couldn't keep doing those things. Well, these two armies are inside you fighting, the flesh and the spirit, and you're feeding one or the other. If you go and you spend all day long, every day, in the world's entertainment, in the world's system, in the world's thought patterns, in the world's conversations, in the world's thinking, if you do that, then I'm not saying, oh, that's a sin, you're going to go to hell for doing those things, but what I'm saying is, don't be surprised when that flesh inside you rises up and you have to do battle you have now I have to now I have to uh, repent for something that I've done because my flesh has rose up and it just took over for a second I don't know what happened if you want to keep that from happening you got to stop feeding the thing that you're supposed to be killing you got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh I guard my eyes. My, I am like a. I'm like a. Is it time to go? Show sure is. I'm like a city, and I go. I'm a walled city, and I don't let nothing in. The only gates to get into my city are that my eyeballs and my ears. So I protect what comes through my eyes. I protect what comes through my ears. I protect. 
what comes into my mind because those things get into me and they feed the enemy that I'm trying, I'm spending all of my energy to kill. You ever felt like in my Christian life or in my, my you know my walk with God, I go two or three steps forward and then bang, three or more steps back. And two or three steps forward, bang, three or four steps back. And I want to fix this problem and I'm having whatever problem it is, whatever problem you're struggling with, I want to fix it but it just doesn't seem like I have the strength, I don't have the will it just, everything is always coming against me. In another area of your life, are you feeding the flesh the very thing that you're trying to kill? If you want to destroy the thing that's making you do X, you gotta stop letting it in at Y. See what I mean? If you're wanting to kill the thing that's coming out the window of your of your house, you've got to stop letting it in the door on the other side of the house. See what I mean? Does that make sense to everybody? Any questions? That's what it means to make no provision for the flesh. And then next week in Romans 14, it's going to develop that further. What about the things that are not, you know, like God said, thou shalt not go see twilight. You know, he didn't really say that. You know, so what about the things like that that are not really thou shalt not, but it could be wrong or it could not be wrong. You know, some people put drinking in that category, you know, whatever. You know, watching R-rated movies as long as they ain't got like boobies or something in it, you know, just, you know, whatever, whatever it could be. You... Is it somebody asked me about belly button rings or whatever? You know, it's like my answer is always the same. It's like, you know, is it a sin to wear a belly button ring? Um, I know if Sophie comes home with one, I'm gonna beat her butt. That's, <laughs> that's the best I can do for you. That's the best I can do for you. It's, it's well, well, I mean, and but see, then you got, then you got, you know, your wife sitting over here with hoop earrings in her ear. You know what I mean? Is that scar on the temple? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I'm just saying, there's those questions are gonna be resolved in chapter 14. Yeah, that's my biggest thing. Is if there's any ever if there's ever any doubt, then there's no doubt. If you, if you're wondering is this wrong, then yes, it is. Now, if you're saying no, I notice that like you would never come to me and say, Jason, is it wrong for me to go buy some milk at the grocery store? <laughs> no, you would never do that because that ain't right now. But you know, if if you have a question like. Is this wrong? Chances are that's your conscience going, yeah, it's probably wrong. Okay? So let's pray and we're going to go. Y'all be praying today for Johnny Wayne. He's going to be preaching. And, and for me tonight, I'm going to be preaching tonight. Uh, pray that there won't be no distractions, especially during invitation time. When the invitation happens, it just seems like there's going to be one distraction after another. And uh, we're really praying for folks today. So, so be in prayer for him this morning as we go into the end service. Father, we love you, Lord, and we thank you for your blessing. We thank you, God, that you've given us your word. We thank you that you've given us this opportunity to walk straight through the book of Romans, God, and go chapter by chapter. And, and here in chapter 13, you've shown us, Lord, that, uh, that we are to be, the Christians should be the best citizens of society, God, and we should use love as the example. And God, that we should we should battle our flesh by putting you on, Lord, and, and doing it in your strength and your power. So God, we just pray, Lord, that you would be with us. Help us to walk out what you've taught us today. Help us to uh, look at 
look at your word with uh, with fresh new eyes as we come to it. Be with Johnny Wayne, brother Johnny Wayne, as he's preaching this this Sunday uh, this Sunday service that we're about to go into. Lord, we we pray that you would be with us, that we'll be a, a hedge of protection around him, and that you would uh, that you would just avoid all distractions from uh, from raising their head as he's preaching and as your word's going forth. God, we're here to uh, we're here to honor you and to worship you and to praise you. We love you, Father. We thank you for all that you do. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, what do y'all think about doing...